Hey, Katie. Hi, Ben. And hey, Tim. Hi, Ben. So if you've heard last week's episode, uh, you'll know that Tim had joined us to talk about Scikit Optimize, which is an open source project. And in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about open source and data science and what it means to run an open source project. You are listening to Linear Digressions. Cool. So I know when I am doing my work as a data scientist, we use tons of open source tools. We try to even sometimes contribute to open source tools where it makes sense. And in the course of going to conferences and talking to people, it's just, let's talk about contributing to open source and why that's so important. And I know that for a long time, I heard about that and kind of didn't do anything. And even now I would say it's something that I hear about a lot and I don't do as much as I should in terms of participating. And I bet there's a lot of other people who are like me out there. And so I wanted to pick Tim's brain a little bit about what it's like to be one of the people who's really up to their neck in open source and hearing some of the what it takes to to really make a meaningful contribution to open source and why people like me should be more aggressive about <laughs> going in and helping and maintaining building these libraries. Right. And I also want to uh, contextualize a little bit that it's not just data science that uh, open source is, is big in. This is all software development. Pretty much everything that you use, all software that you use, and a lot of hardware that you use too, is built on uh, open source foundations. Like uh, web servers run on Linux. Linux is open source. And um, just to define that, open source basically means that all of the code that runs it is available. So uh, I can can like set up a web server, for example, which is one of the things that I regularly do. I don't need to know how it works. I can use the software for free. But if I want to, I can also go in and read the actual code and figure out how it works. And potentially, if I find a bug, I can also, uh, you know, fix it. Uh, I can interact with other members of the community, and we can all build something together, as opposed to a person or a company creates this thing, and they're the only maintainer of it. So this is kind of what we're talking about. And uh, this conversation is applicable to pretty much any any software field. So with all of that uh, pretext, Tim, can you talk a little bit? I know your background isn't in like computer programming proper. You're a physicist. So can you talk a little bit about how you got started in contributing to open source and then how that grew into being one of the maintainers of a package like Scikit-Optimize? I'm not quite sure what my first open source contribution was. The one thing I remember very vividly is at some point I decided that I didn't just want to use Scikit-Learn, but I actually wanted to contribute to it. And I was going to a conference where they had a sprint. So that's a day-long event where the maintainers of the project come and work on things. And anybody who wants to can join them and then start contributing. So it's a very good way to, to get into it. And so I took part in the sprint. And I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out how contributing to open source works. And I probably spent about three hours fixing two sentences in some documentation somewhere. Because when you start out, you're like, wow, the whole world is watching. If I make a mistake, then, you know, I'm going to be embarrassed. Everybody's going to remind me about this for like the next 20 years. So you want to, <laughs> you know, somehow that means 
correcting the grammar in three sentences in a documentation takes you three hours. You're making it sound really, really great right now. I have to say, I'm like totally <laughs> sold on the idea of contributing to open source. Yeah, I was, I, I was trying to think how we rescue this. So <laughs> <laughs> let me start again, maybe. So what I did on that day as my first contribution was fix a few sentences in the documentation. And it was good because I was not worried about getting the English wrong. And it was a good way to practice all the mechanics of cloning a Git repository and making a new branch and writing commit messages and then opening a pull request and all this all, all this mechanics that is involved in contributing, which if you've never done it before is pretty intimidating, I, have, I think. And a good way to practice it is to do something where you're not worried about the content that you're contributing, but you know you can practice the interaction with the people and see what they say. And Tim, actually, I, I just feel compelled to note that I think my first open source contribution was also fixing a typo. Uh, which is kind of fun, you know, the the idea that, I, I don't know, for me, actually, it was kind of a, a paradigm shift where before I was always consuming. And now with this ability to, to contribute to open source, I was able to reach out and like touch the thing that previously I could only uh, consume or use, right? Um, even if it was in a really minor, small, small way, like fixing a typo, there was something that felt really kind of mind-changing about that or mind-altering about that. I remember my first uh, contribution to open source, and it was it was a bug fix. I was trying to run some examples, and I realized that one of the examples was it was thought it was passing a, an integer, and it was actually passing a list or the other way around or something. It was, I think two lines of code that had to get changed. It's like four characters total. And I was just <laughs> totally hopped up on how excited I was. <laughs> this was actually, in, this was embarrassingly recently. This was to scikit optimize as it turns out. And then, and then my next, my next uh, contribution, I got really aggressive and tried to write a new example. And we spent like two or three weeks circling around and trying to figure out what, what we actually wanted to communicate with this, with this example. So that was like a little bit less, a little bit less smooth, but like, Everybody came out on the other side okay, and now it's part of the now it's part of the library. So I guess that was successful. But Tim, so this is this was actually sort of like an interaction that you and I had over this. Uh, you know, it wasn't a super high stakes like contribution I was trying to make. Like I said, it was just a a new example, and we wanted to make sure that the example was communicating something that was interesting and doing it in a in a way that was clear and was easy for people to follow. And, and yet we still kind of like spent a couple of weeks tweaking all of these, all of these little things. And so I know that for me as the person who was trying to make this contribution, it felt, uh, I felt a little bit guilty. Like I was making the maintainers go through all this, you know, code review and give me all this feedback on this thing. And I wasn't even sure if it was really that useful. And um, you know, I didn't mind putting in the work, but um, I was, <laughs> now that I actually have you on the phone, like for you as a maintainer, you know, is it, is there ever a point where it's obnoxious to, to do these like kind of maintenance and code review tasks? Are you just really excited when there's contributions and like you're happy to work with people? Uh, like for somebody who's a little bit scared about having to like maybe the imposition or like interacting with these people that they see their code and they think of them as 
as really like rock star programmers and uh and that can be a little bit intimidating to have to interact with them like now that now that you're one of the rock stars i can hear you like laughing right now as i'm saying this but like now that you're one of the rock stars what what do you think of the uh of the peasants like me so if if i'm a rock star then i'm still you know on my first tour so i'm super excited <laughs> when somebody wants to contribute something to something i've worked on because it, it's it's great you put it out there on the whole internet and somebody else thinks it's so useful they're going to spend some of their time trying to make it better that's you know maybe at some point i will become old and bitter and they'll be like oh just leave me alone <laughs> but right now it's still great i think you know as long as people are you know 99% of the time people are really excited they want to to help you out they've invested their own time they've invested their own brain cycles and thought about what they're doing and then it's it's great what are some of the things that make um, like I'm sure there's things that you see that are just amazing. There are things that you see that take a lot more work to get them where you need them to be. So for someone who's interested in contributing and they want to make sure that um, to the best of their ability when they're contributing code, it's like good code that's as close to going in as possible. What are some of the things that you would say to them? Like feedback that you very often find yourself giving in in um, when people try to make pull requests and things like that stuff that people can anticipate and try to have their code as ready as possible when they do like the first commit. So I think actually what you should do is open the pull request as early as possible. Even, you know, when you're maybe not even sure yet how exactly you're going to do what you're doing, but have, you've started and then, you know, open the pull request because then everybody knows you're working on it. And, People who are interested, they can look at what you're doing and give you some feedback already at the beginning. You know, the the worst thing that could happen is you pick some issue that you want to work on, and then you go on like you go on a retreat to the mountains and work on it for six months and come back with like stacks and stacks of code, and then you go like, here's my code, it's perfect, it does everything. Please review it, you know, and that that is some in some sense the worst thing that could happen, because you know maybe you went down completely the wrong route, and now we have to find a way of you know navigating this this human interaction part where in some sense the maintainers want to go like, well, you went completely the wrong route. It's all a bit of a waste, and you know not wanting to be completely rude to somebody who spent their time mm -hmm. and their effort to contribute and so i think opening a pull request as early as possible saying you know this is work in progress this is kind of my plan still figuring it out if you have thoughts let me know and you know then people can people who are interested can start you know working together on it even if you're the one who's doing the typing Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like. I really like the idea of sort of lowering the threshold that it takes to start working mm -hmm. on something. And that, yeah, if you just say this is a work in progress. Yeah, it's uh, like an indication of intent. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. So we 
talked a little bit about Scikit Optimize in the last episode and about how you're trying to come up with ways to more quickly evaluate these these functions that can be very expensive to actually compute. And so we talked a little bit about how there's there's random forest optimization and Gaussian processes and you have all these examples to look at how they how they perform on all these different benchmark sets and it all sounds very sort of mathematically intense and a little bit intimidating. I'm curious to hear how much of the work that goes into a package like this is actually building the algorithms and exploring the example space and how much of it is sort of the less exotic sounding type house cleaning stuff and maintenance and code review for other people. And what does it actually, what does it actually look like your sort of work stack when you, you log into your computer and you're like, okay, what am I going to do today? I think every open source project requires a huge amount of unsexy work to be done to keep everything running smoothly. It's, it's, work that nobody sees you know in the best case nobody notices that all this work is going on because nothing breaks everything just works you know everything is well organized there's documentation there's tests all this stuff is you know it just magically appears or as as if by magic it appears but for almost all the projects i know there are some extremely dedicated people behind all this magic Maybe I should measure how much time I spend on the different aspects of being a maintainer of a package. How much time do I spend actually writing code myself? How much is refactoring or just making sure the infrastructure still works? Well, I can say, uh, so I have an open source project as well. It's a Chrome extension. It's not a package that other people use in their own software. Um, But I can say that from my experience, whenever someone contributes... Uh, or or makes a pull request or whatever, even if I'm doing some main, maintenance stuff or writing comments on an issue or or on a diff or whatever it is, I find that that's more recharging time than it is draining time, which is it's kind of interesting. I mean, I think that we often uh, often as software engineers we would measure our time very uh, objectively. This took me this many minutes or this many hours. Uh, but to me, I feel like there's a big difference between the time doing things that I don't really want to do that kind of drains me versus time doing things that uh, that recharge me. And in my experience, whenever people contribute to a piece of software that I wrote ultimately originally for myself and I made open source, it shows me that other people are getting value out of it and actually so much value that they're willing to contribute to it to make it better. And that's really quite recharging. Yeah, that's true. When other people contribute to your project and open a pull request, maybe it's not really work, it's more, no. I want to say it's not reviewing, it's helping them make a good contribution. Right. So when other people open a pull request for your project, then I don't really see it so much as reviewing their work, but helping them make a good contribution. So, like you said, it's actually fun compared to trying to figure out why the build system is broken. That is a pleasurable uh, experience, trying to work with people to make a, a cool new addition to the project. Yeah, I'm thinking to my, when I do code review for some of the people that I work with, and 
one of the other things about working collaboratively like this that we haven't mentioned so far is how much better you get as a programmer by watching what other people are doing. It's pretty incredible how many things you don't know. (laughs) And if you just try to learn those things without any context, then at least in my experience that that doesn't really stick. But it's one of the other things to keep in mind if you're thinking about why should I contribute to open source? Like, yes, it's a, it's a good piece of citizenship to contribute to the world. And it, you know, makes it so other people can, uh, can use these cool projects, but it's also going to make you a better programmer. Cause you're just going to, um, you're going to be exposed to just a lot more styles of coding and you're going to learn a lot of things as a result. So that's one of the other things that I think is, is really cool about this and, a a self-centered reason that people should also think about contributing to open source. Yeah, I mean, on some of the projects, you get to work with the world expert on whatever the project is about. And by contributing, you get essentially free advice from the world expert. So Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, Tim... I want to start to wrap it up here because we've uh, we've certainly taken enough of your time. But now that we've made this 20-minute sales pitch for open source, can you say a few words about if people are interested in this and they want to get involved, what are the ways they can do it, generally speaking? Like, where would you advise people starting? And are there any particular places on Scikit-Optimize where you're looking for contributions that people can uh, can start thinking about? So I think a good way to get started is to think about what software you use a lot that you enjoy using and you think you're a fan of and then find out where they do their development and maybe start contributing there. Because I think if you're if you're not interested in the software you're trying to contribute to or not invested in then it's it's more difficult. So pick your favorite piece of software or maybe the software where you wish that it had less bugs and you're forced to use it. Maybe pick that one, so pick the one you hate the most. (laughs) And find out where they host their source code and where their issues are and go and have a look if you can contribute there. Otherwise, I think if you just go to the front page of GitHub, you will find so many projects uh, looking for contributions that you can just pick you know, the one you like the name of most. For Psychic Optimize, we try and create issues which we think should be fairly simple contributions, and we label them, I think, as easy or uh, beginner-friendly, exactly for the kind of people who just, you know, surf by and they see it, and then they go like, oh, yeah, okay, I I think I know how to fix that. So just go and have a look at our issues and pick one with a bright green label and that's a good way to get started. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim, for uh, joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thank you for having me. It was great. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. 
you can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.